0: Our study section tonight is Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 19. And the title is, What to Do Before You Decide. What to do before you decide. And as we read this together, I want you to notice what Jesus does before he decides. What Jesus does before he makes a decision. Beginning at verse 12. And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, whom also he named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew. Bartholomew is also Nathaniel. You'll see that one listed sometimes. Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zalates, and Judas the brother of James and Judas Iscariot, which also was called, which also was the traitor. And he came down with them and stood in the plain and the company of his disciples. And a great multitude of people went out of all Judea and Jerusalem. And from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which came to hear him, and to be healed of their diseases, and they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and healed them all. The temptation in life is to become independent of God. As babies grow, we're teaching them how to do things for themselves. We teach them how to hold a bottle. Then we teach them how to eat. Then they learn how to begin walking or talking, depending if it's male or female. Then they learn... Sorry, all of our boys, they could walk, but they didn't talk till... They did gestures and they made sounds. And the little girls seem to be very articulate, so... They learn to communicate their thoughts. They learn to walk. They learn to drive. They learn to make decisions. They're learning how to be responsible for themselves. And as we become responsible adults, the temptation is to begin acting independently. I can do things. I can make decisions on my own. The danger each of us face is to begin to think that we can act independently of God. In our text tonight, we begin seeing that before Jesus made a big decision that was going to impact the world, he was going to choose 12 men who would impact the future of the church, one that would betray him. And remember, this is God. Why would he pray? Why would he spend time in prayer? Why not just act? And I would submit to you, one, he enjoyed the fellowship. Two, he was human. But second of all, Jesus is our example. When Jesus defeated Satan and defeated temptation, what did he do? He quoted scripture. He used the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Why would he do that? So that we would know how to defeat temptation when Jesus was dealing with decisions and pressures, things that he did not want to go through, what did he do? He prayed. Why did he do that? So that we will know how to learn, how to deal with decisions and frustration and pressures. So Luke's going to focus on the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to emphasize the Lord's practice of prayer. If we follow through the book of Luke, Luke's going to show us Jesus prayed regularly. Jesus spent time praying before he had major things coming up. You know, it's easy to make decisions and to carelessly wander into distressing situations simply because we forget to pray. Interestingly enough, Jesus never made that mistake. Jesus never forgot to pray. Think back for just a moment. Genesis chapter three. What was the major mistake that Eve and then Adam made? They acted independently of God. They they made choices. Eve even sounded spiritual, but she acted independently of what God was, was wanting done. Joshua chapter nine with the Gibeonites. Do you remember that story where... Joshua and the Israelites were coming through the promised land and they were clobbering everyone and the Gibeonites knew that they were going to be defeated. So they, they changed clothes. They put on all old clothes. They got moldy bread. They put on worn out shoes and they demonstrated they've been walking for a long time. They're not from this area. And the Bible tells us that they made a league that Israel made a league with the Gibeonites. Do you remember what it says? It specifically says that they didn't seek the Lord. They acted independently of the Lord. You know, one of the temptations of Satan is always to get us to become independent of God. That's exactly what David did. Remember when, what was the sin that he did that really caused problem? We think often of Bathsheba, but the one that really caused problem was the numbering of the people. And you remember how everyone said, David, don't do this. What difference does it make how many people you have? God's always provided for us. And David said, number the people. And then as soon as they were numbered, as soon as the warriors were numbered, he felt guilty. And God judged him. Why? Because he was acting independently of God. Luke begins with this major event of our Lord by showing that Jesus was dependent. And if there's anything tonight that I can encourage you just to really think about is how dependent am I on the Lord each day? How often do I act independently of the Lord? So we'll get back into our text now. You know, when you're about to make a huge decision, one that's going to impact many people, what do you do? Jesus was about to choose 12 men who would morph from just disciples into being apostles. They would be sent with a message. Whom should he choose? Interestingly enough, he labors all night in prayer. And he chooses Judas. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. So the first thing we'll, let's look at, Jesus decides on the 12 apostles through prayer, beginning at verse 13, and when it was day, so as soon as the night was over, when it was day, he called unto him his disciples. Now often when I would read this, I would read this as he called the 12 and then he called them apostles, but that's not what it says. Remember, he's, he's already been discussing, he had, he had been threatened the day before uh, it begins by saying in those and it came to pass in those days what kind of days days that were stress filled days that were dangerous remember the verse before in verse 11 they were filled with madness and communed with one another what they might do to Jesus they were so furious they lost their senses That's the kind of day Jesus was having. It helps us, I believe Luke tells us that because it helps us to understand we have days like that and sometimes we wonder, does anyone understand? Jesus understands. Jesus understands. His life was being threatened. He was misunderstood. His days were filled with stress. He was just about to embark on the next phase of ministry and he prayed all night. And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve. Why do you think he brought all the disciples together, a large crowd of disciples, and while everyone was there, he said, Okay, you're one. You're one. You're one. You're one. You're one. You're one. And all of a sudden, everyone else is watching. Hurt feelings? Wondering what was going on? Why didn't he choose me? Is there something wrong with me? Why didn't he choose my family? The scriptures say he prayed all night. Then he gathered his disciples and he chose 12. And he called them apostles. Jesus is the one who gave them that name, whom also he named apostles. In this crew, you have seven fishermen, one tax collector, and four of different vocations that we don't know anything about. The word apostle means special messenger. These were disciples. These were followers. These were students of Jesus Christ who God gave a special mission to. They would be the beginning blocks of the church. This decision that Jesus made demanded incredible discernment. He needed to make the right decision. And Jesus chooses these 12. John Phillips, if any of you have read John Phillips, he can alliterate just about anything. And he was saying, Jesus knew every detail about these people, he knew doubting Thomas was going to be part of this crew. He knew devoted John would be part of this crew. He knew diligent Matthew, a man that was good with math and careful with the details. He knew devious Judas would be there, and dependable Andrew, and daring Peter, and discerning Nathaniel. Interestingly enough, the Bible gives uh, includes four listings of the apostles in Matthew 10, in Mark 3, in Luke 6, and in Acts 1. And John Phillips noted, all the lists arranged the apostles in three groups of four. And all of them, the beginning one was always the head, seems to be the head of each of those groups. So each group of four had one head. The first group is always headed by Peter. The second group is always headed by Philip. The third group is always headed by James, the son of Alphaeus. The men in each group are sometimes in the same order. Sometimes they're rearranged. But the groups always stay together. An apostle from each group is never listed in the other groupings. It appears that Jesus intentionally not only chose the 12, but Jesus was putting them in groups. Usually you will find these three groups of four, but you'll also find usually they're put together in pairs. Some of them are pretty simple. I mean, you've got the brothers, James and John. You've got Peter and Andrew that are together. But it's very interesting as you see these groupings of people put together. But the first grouping those four are the ones that you typically always see that were closest to Jesus. With the exception of Judas Iscariot, all of the apostles are from Galilee. The first five men were all neighbors, all coming from Bethsaida. Two of the apostles, Philip and Andrew, had Greek names, which was not unusual for that area of the country. Let me pause for just a moment. If we could visualize a map and it may be harder to visualize but we can at least come up with the mediterranean sea right all right so everything on this side of the map is going to be mediterranean sea and then you've got israel which kind of comes around the edge of it sea of galilee is going to be up here and then down here you've got jerusalem and judea and then way over here on the port side we're going to see some names that are listed and we're going to see that people were coming from way over here on the port side, which is about a 50 mile walk to the Sea of Galilee. And you got people coming from Judea and from Jerusalem down here, and that was 75 miles. you got, you got about 120 some mile radius of where people are coming to see Jesus on this event. This is a pretty major event. So you've got all of these different ones. You've got these two apostles who's, who had Greek names. Both Matthew's and Luke's listing suggests that the apostles were paired. Maybe as he was praying, it was not only who those 12 should be, but what the pairings should be, what the groupings should be. And I only mention that Possibly not. But I mention that because I believe it shows us that Jesus prayed about details. And it just reminds me of how how much I fall short of how specifically I could be praying. Things that matter to God. God cares about the details when you pray. And you say, oh, he doesn't care about that. That's just, he does care. He cares about what what you're going through. I find it interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you would turn over there with me, I just want you to notice how the Apostle Paul noticed how the Lord chose. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh. Not many men mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. While you have that text there in front of you, I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible Do any of you, are you familiar with the Amplified Bible? I know probably some of you are. Amplified Bible, what it does is that it takes and adds, you know, if in a dictionary, if it gives a couple different words that kind of give you a little different flavors, it will add in those extra words. So the, uh, the translators chose one word, but sometimes... For us, it's helpful to put all those words together. I'm going to read it again out of the Amplified Bible for you. I want you to follow along in the King James and just see if it helps fill it in. For simply consider your own call, brethren. Not many of you were considered to be wise according to human estimates and standards. Not many influential and powerful. Not many of high and noble birth, no, for God selected, deliberately chose what in the world is foolish to put, to, to put the wise to shame, and what the world calls weak to put, the shame, to put the strong to shame. And God also selected, deliberately chose what in the world is lowborn and insignificant and branded and treated with contempt even the things that are nothing that he might depose and bring to nothing the things that are, so that no mortal man should have pretense for glorying and boast in the presence of God. What I want you to notice is Paul is saying, God specifically chose these men so that these men would bring glory to God. And these men wouldn't say, well, you know, I've got all these degrees, I've got all these different things. I have this family lineage. These were just fishermen. These were common people. These were outcasts. Now, some of them had education, some of them had, but it wasn't all of them. It wasn't that they were all Ivy leaguers. And I find it interesting also that as Jesus prayed and as Jesus selected, Jesus knew. John chapter 6, verse 64. Notice what Jesus said. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. You know, what John tells us is Jesus knew from the beginning that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus worked with him for three years. Jesus loved him. Jesus gave him positions of trust and honor. He was the banker. He was the one who took care of all the funds. Jesus knew he was stealing from them. And Jesus chose him. I think it shows again his compassion. You would think, you know, maybe sometimes people don't really know, so they're going to reject. Here was a man who who was with Jesus, who walked with him, who heard him teach, was with them in the intimate times when they were just the, the 13 there were sitting talking. And he rejected Jesus. And Jesus reached out and loved him. And loved him and loved him. It does teach us something about how to have compassion and how to have love for those who are really rascally, who really don't deserve to be loved. Ultimately, he still made his choice. Remember, just even at the very end, how Jesus treated Judas, he said, Judas do you really wanna do this? He's there at the table, he's hearing what's going on, and he and Jesus know, and no one else knows. I I just see the compassion of our Lord in that. I thought it was interesting how Jesus, uh, Luke presents Jesus with human emotions, and I, and I, I skip ahead to Luke chapter 22, verse 41, but I want you to notice as I read these verses then when we go back to Luke chapter 6, when Jesus was praying, it just helps us to remember, we so want to say, well, but he was God. But he was God. He didn't understand. He doesn't get what I'm going through. He doesn't feel those kind of pressures. And Luke 22:41, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine Be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Then in Hebrews chapter 5, we read how Jesus again understood and feels what we feel. Hebrews chapter 5, beginning at verse 7. Who, in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. Now I'm going to pause there for just a moment, and I thought it was interesting. That as I was reading it, it looks like it's saying Jesus was afraid, and I was trying to wrestle through that. And again, the word there is he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright uh, from uh, from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. What was Jesus really doing? He looked at it, and he did not want to be separated from his Father. Jesus felt the pressure and he prayed on purpose and then he chose on purpose. I believe he chose publicly. Jesus wanted the disciples to know that these men had a specific task and they would need to know these 12 Because when Jesus was gone and they were the ones that were verifying, yes, this is what God is doing and telling, people all needed to know, these were the ones that Jesus chose. I want you to notice beginning at verse... um, Well, let's, let's see here for just a moment. There were a couple names that I thought would be interesting. In verse 15... We have Matthew and Thomas, and then we have James the son of Alphaeus, Simon called Zelotes, which means fanatical. And we don't know for certain if he was part of the zealot group that was trying to overthrow Rome. It's very possible that he was. It could also mean fanatical for the son of God. That's possible as well. But it's interesting, that name was still one that he was known by, Simon the zealot. And then we have Judas, the brother of James. In reality, I think probably the word son, uh, from, from all that I can see, it probably was a family term. He was the son of James. And then we have Judas Iscariot, which was also the traitor. The word Iscariot means man from Kirioth or man of falsehood. Well, which did it mean? Well, probably both. He was the one that wasn't from the Galilee area. Now, beginning at verse 17, I want you to notice how Jesus demonstrated care before he made decisions by praying. I want you to notice now Jesus demonstrates care after he prayed. And he went down with them and stood in the plain and the the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people, out from all of Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon were right on the Mediterranean. And that was about 50 miles kind of northwest. You've got Judea and Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the lower part of Judea and it was about 75 miles up. And these all came, according to verse 17, came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases And they that were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. You know, there's always going to be people around us who need help. He mentions two different kinds here. He mentions those who had diseases and those who had unclean spirits. Do you think we have those same kinds of people around us today? We don't like to talk about those who are oppressed, those who are under pressure, by the demonic world. Those who have opened themselves up to that world, there are people who've given themselves over to that and they need Jesus. They need Jesus. You know, Jesus did many mighty things, but he demonstrated dependence on his father. And this evening we've met together to pray. We've met together to talk to the Lord and to ask for his guidance. I believe Jesus demonstrated dependence on his Father because he wants us to remember what we need to do before we make decisions.